couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I don't know why. Because I wasn't praying to God about, you know, only make it six inches, please. You know, I, I didn't go that far. <laughs> so it's, it's those kind of things that I have continuously said, I have to leave my abstinence up to, up to God. But the important thing, I think, for anyone, in my opinion, and this is my personal opinion, is to start with something. You have to start with something so that you can get on the road because it's the steps and it's going to that, that power that is greater than yourself. It's getting this out of the way. And, and it's also page 417. So I will tell you that in my abstinence, there are, I actually have written the card, a card out, and I keep it on my desk, and I keep one around with me. There's three things that are really important to me. Number one is to set aside prayer. God, help me set aside everything I think I know about whatever. And uh, to have an open mind. Next is the third step prayer. God, and oh, I, I love this. Here, I got to tell you, this is how I'll do. I'm feeling sick, uh, or I'm feeling crazy about my youngest son. That'll, that'll be one that'll get me. I'll start worrying about him. And uh, so I'll go, God, I offer myself to thee, because myself right now really wants to control Warren's life. And I know that doesn't work, so I am feeling like a crazy person. So would you just take me, just take me, Take me over because this is not working. Relieve me of my difficulties that I, and on and on and on. This is how I talk to God. And third, the acceptance. And I love page 417 because when I feel disturbed, and I don't know how many of you, but when I feel disturbed, it's right here. So when I feel disturbed, I know I'm trying to get back into control. So I will read page that just the first, you know that little part of it. My my brain is clogged right now. Help me, somebody help me. Um, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. Um, if I, well, it's if I think some place, some person, place, thing, or situation should be differently than it is, then I, you know, I'm trying to take over. And how do I know that? So I have a little saying too. How do I know I'm supposed to be standing here right now? Because I am. How do I know my head is supposed to be clogged right now? Because it is. So like when I'm not feeling well this week, I'm walking around the house like this. Okay, God, you decided you wanted to give me a cold. I got it. Now, would you please let me know what it is that you want me to do? What's this about? Or just lead, even if it, you don't want me to know why, just lead me into what it is I'm supposed to be doing. What am, what is, what is the path, the next step I'm supposed to be taking right now? And, uh, and it's amazing. And so I think you have to do that same thing with abstinence. You go quiet, I have them go quiet. Um, go into, okay, what's the first step that I can take with abstinence? What's the first thing that I can do? Is it a simple thing 
like um, I'll have I'll make that was one of the first things I did my breakfast my breakfast is the same all the time it sometimes varies if if I'm uh, traveling but for the most part it's pretty much the same thing Um, there was something I had been thinking it's truly about turning it over it's truly about getting to a power that's greater than yourself. And my and abstinence is a route towards that. Oh, I know. And I will honestly tell you that I am envious sometimes of people who can have that beautiful abstinence of three meals a day, nothing in between. Oh, wow. I mean, if I could have it that simple... Just like that, that is like a dream, but it's not my dream. And that's what I have to accept. That's part of the acceptance. It's not the way that I could do it. So I work with each person individually to find out where can they start so they can get on the road to the 12 steps because that's where the freedom is. Thank you. Thank you, Peppy. Um, Our next speaker is Shayla. Let's welcome Shayla. Good morning, friends. My name is Shayla, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Shayla. Abstinent today by the grace of God and the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous. Today I want to talk to you about practical ways to abstinence, how to make a beginning. Well, first off, what is abstinence? When I came to OA four years ago, I was six years sober in another program, but I didn't know what abstinence meant as far as the food was concerned. So I asked for help. What does this mean? The kind ladies at my first meeting gave me a newcomer's packet with the Dignity of Joyce booklet, and they suggested that I write down everything I ate for the next two weeks and to identify any binge trigger foods. So I went away and I read the material and I prayed about it. At the time, the suggestion to write down all my food just didn't sit well with me in my spirit because in my disease I was a compulsive dieter, and this reminded me too much of a diet. Nevertheless, I read the material, and I used some suggestions to define my abstinence and formulate an eating plan that I'll tell you about a little later. For much of my life, I was within what they would call a normal weight range. When I was a teen, I got into drugs, alcohol, and food simultaneously. I would drink, smoke, use drugs, and then diet and exercise. When I was in the ninth grade, I gained 15 pounds that I eventually lost, by starving all day, binging at night, and going to aerobics classes. When I was in third year university, I gained 20 pounds, but this time I logged my food on the computer, increased my exercise, nothing too extreme. Six months later, the weight was gone. Everything seemed sane at the time, but looking back, I can see how the disease played out in many different ways. I would work hard all week at school, and then I'd go on a weekend drinking binge. I would try to quit smoking, 
and drink slim fast for a week so I wouldn't gain weight. I would get involved in yet another unhealthy relationship and tell myself, this one will be different. Then my drinking really started to escalate in my 30s, and I really started gaining weight. I would work hard all week and then binge on food and alcohol at the weekend barbecues. I was 35 pounds overweight at my highest weight when I quit drinking in September 2004 by the grace of God and the fellowship, and I'll have 11 years this September. Almost immediately, I lost 15 pounds just because I wasn't drinking anymore. Then I quit smoking, and I started hiking and running, but I still used food to deal with the uncomfortable feelings, and over the next six years of my sobriety, I would yo-yo up and down 15 to 20 pounds and go on diets. I mostly did Atkins or some other variation, and one time I did strict vegetarianism for a couple of years to try and lose weight. Then in January 2011, I had packed on that 15 pounds again, and I was just about to go on another diet, and that still small voice inside said no. And so, by the grace of God again, I listened to that still small voice, and a few days later I was at an AA meeting in Phoenix, and I met a woman in OA, and I asked her if I could go with a meeting to her. So I went to my first meeting in January 2011, and I've been abstinent since February 20th, 2011, maintaining a 25 to 30 pound weight loss for three years. So sharing my experience, strength, and hope, I would like to offer seven practical ways to abstinence. Number one, develop a relationship with a higher power. The big book tells us that nothing will guard against that first drink or compulsive bite but your higher power. I've shared how I've experienced my higher power, who I call God, speak to me with that still small voice and how I was led to the rooms of OA in the first place. If you don't have a higher power, taking the steps can really help you define one, especially that third step. If you don't believe in God, there's an entire chapter devoted to the agnostics in the AA Big Book. Or you could think of God as good with two O's or good orderly direction. Another suggestion is choosing a sponsor who does believe. I have a friend in the program who doesn't believe, and he has a sponsor who's very devout. When it came to the third step, the sponsor asked him, can you believe that I believe? He said yes, and he was able to move forward in his program. And also, when we're struggling with our own beliefs in faith, it really helps to reach out to someone who is solid in their beliefs. Number two, ask for guidance. If you have a higher power or God, pray and ask God what he wants your eating plan to look like. If you still crave things, ask God for help in changing your thinking. So for me, when I quit drinking, the old beer signs looked really appealing. So cool and refreshing, think dead and revolting. Or that yummy-looking cake, think of manure or lard. (laughs) So my higher power, through that still small voice, gave me some really helpful mantras, both in my first year and as I carry on with my abstinence. So in my first year, no extra bites, no extra inches. Excess food is not my friend. Instead of eating, try reading or go to a meeting. And they rhyme too. (laughs) In addition, get a sponsor and talk to OA members for suggestions 
And finally, seek outside help if necessary. Talk to a doctor, dietitian, or nutritionist. Number three, define your terms. Keep it really simple and personal to you. Define what compulsive eating, mean, overeating, means to you. For me, this means eating beyond the point of fullness, binging, and eating when I'm not hungry at all. Define your abstinence. The literature describes abstinence as refraining from compulsive overeating and behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. Again, making it personal to you. Abstinence for me is refraining from binging and dieting. In simple terms, no binging, no dieting. That's my abstinence. Define your compulsive behaviors. For me, that's dieting, binging, undereating, or filling up on coffee and not eating at all, weighing myself too much, tracking calories obsessively, or excess exercise. Define your eating plan. The OA Dignity of Choice booklet offers several helpful suggestions and plans. I used some suggestions from this booklet, yet given my history, I knew my eating plan had to be very flexible and intuitive. So my plan was and is, eat when you're hungry, stop when I'm full. I knew intuitively that totally eliminating foods like breads and starch or such would be setting myself up for a binge. So I commit even to this day to have some kind of starch or grain serving every single day. From my past history and having extremely low blood sugar, I seem to do best with roughly six small portions throughout the day. My cousin lovingly refers to my plan as mini meals. OA members provided the helpful suggestion to cut things in half and put leftovers in the fridge. Also, my doctor has acknowledged this plan to be good for me as well. The point is, make it personal for you. Maybe you need to weigh and measure. Ask for guidance from your higher power and others. What works for me may not work for you, and vice versa. Number four, be really gentle with yourself. My disease was a slave driver. Before recovery, my sole purpose was to get up in the morning and exercise off the binge from the night before. In recovery, I walk because it's good for me. If I do have extra food, I don't beat myself up. Flexibility. Avoid extremes. Don't say, I had four extra bites. I blew my abstinence. No. Or, I didn't walk four miles today. I'm a total loser. No. Some helpful tips. Sometimes a bite is just a bite. But be careful. A bite can lead to a binge. Flexibility. Having a coffee, more water, a tea, or a diet soda today might help me with my abstinence. Tomorrow... It might be the disease trying to sneak in and get me filling up on fluids and not eating. So check in with God and your sponsor. Remember, it's progress, not perfection. This is a spiritual program for me. My goal is to make spiritual progress. I'm not binging anymore. It's been four years. That's a miracle. If I do have a few more bites or get grazy, it doesn't mean I've blown my abstinence. I pray and ask God to help me, and I do the next right thing. Number five, allow your abstinence to change over time as you are led by your higher power. 
Be teachable. What works today may not work in the future, and vice versa. It didn't work for me to weigh and measure in the beginning or write down my food and track my calories. It does now, especially with the carbs, as long as the weighing and measuring doesn't get compulsive. I used to take restaurant leftovers home. Now I order smaller things and leave them behind. Also, many people eliminate some things, and then over time they'll allow some things back in. One lady I knew allowed nuts back into her eating plan as long as she ate them in front of other people, but she never allowed popcorn back in. Caution, if you have fully conceded to your innermost self that you're an alcoholic or a sugar addict, probably not an area you want to play around with. Number six, take the steps. I had done the steps many times in the other program using the AA Big Book, so I dove right in and followed the OA workbook and the 12 and 12 to take the steps. Taking the steps really helps you define your abstinence and keep it. Also, when you take others through the steps, this really helps as well. Number seven, use the tools of recovery. A plan of eating. I define mine. I make time to prepare my food cook up good proteins and veggies for the fridge so when I'm hungry, I don't grab junk. I take my lunch and I eat out less. Meetings. It's suggested to go to a step study, a women's study, or a men's study, and a mixed study. I go to five 12-step meetings a week. If you're struggling, 90 meetings in 90 days can really help you get abstinent. Sponsorship. I have a sponsor I'm in touch with on a regular basis, and I sponsor others. Writing. Journaling in my first year, this really helped with the desire to eat when not hungry. I would write, write down quite a bit of details about the feelings. Even now, I jot things down in point form and share them later with my sponsor. I even try to picture it as though I'm writing it out to God. Telephone. I call other members to see how they're doing or share any struggles I may be having with the food. This generates conversation and helps us both. Anonymity. This keeps us humble, yet when the Lord leads me to, to share, to help others, I do so. Literature. I read the 12 and 12, the big book, the lifeline, and right now I'm reading the abstinence book. And also, Kindle is really great for traveling because we have enough stress when we're on the road, staying in hotels. I like all my recovery books on my Kindle. Service. I lead meetings. I led meetings from the beginning. This really helps me with my abstinence. But for you, it might be helping with the greeting, setting up chairs, making the coffee. The point is, be of service. It really helps. Action plan. My action plan started out with walking four miles a day, and now it extends to more overall wellness, like getting enough sleep and monitoring my activity level so I'm not going overboard, running around, doing too much. Make your action plan something that works for you. Take, the, take steps toward improving your overall well-being in life and ask for guidance on what this might look like. Maybe it's developing more of a routine starting some volunteer work, or a fitness plan. Make it fun. I make a game out of getting my four miles in by tracking the steps on my pedometer as long as it's not getting compulsive. 
so I'll park far away and walk to the mall, unload the groceries in several trips, and sweep and mop the floors at home. Make it attractive. I use a pink container for leftovers and bright colored measuring cups when I'm measuring things out. And I'd like to close with 10 small tips for abstinence. Number one, listen to your body. Check in with yourself. Are you really hungry or is it head hunger? Number two, use the 15-minute rule. Wait 15 minutes to see if you're still hungry. Go do something else. Wash the dishes. You might uh, find that you weren't hungry after all. Number three, make use of the slogans. Halt. Don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. This too shall pass. First things first. Easy does it. Do the next right thing. Number four, sleep. Going to bed earlier can really help with getting down to your goal weight and maintenance. And it also helps protect your abstinence because you're leaving that temptation for nighttime nibbling behind. Number five, and this one's most important to me, avoid overstimulation. Too much activity and noise can get you all wound up and make you want to eat. I set limits on myself for the amount of time I run around with my friends because too much of that, I get overtired and I want to eat. So Tuesday, I have a women's meeting in the morning and a book study at night. And if I go out to lunch with friends, I say, I have to be home by 3 o'clock, even if I just lie down and watch a movie or just have that quiet time. Because the more you get wound up, the more hyper, then I get tired then I get depressed, then I want to eat. So it's just a real vicious circle. Number six, pay attention to your feelings and take action. If I feel depressed and want to undereat or binge, I call my sponsor, I go to a meeting, I journal, and I pray. Number seven, talk back to the disease and do the opposite. The disease tells you, you don't fit in. They don't really care. Don't bother with meetings. You deserve to gain that two pounds. Or you can't tell anyone when you feel like binging. They'll feel badly. They'll think badly of you. And also, I've even come to find in my OA, because my abstinence is not the 301 plan like they made at the very, very beginning when they founded the program, that disease will tell me that I'm not abstinent. And a very precious lady in this room with 45 years abstinence came up to me one day when I was bawling my eyes out, said, your abstinence is your abstinence. So that helped me fight the disease. So whatever, wherever you're at in your journey, just keep coming back and don't leave before the miracle happens. And also just share it with somebody if that disease is talking to you. Because when it's in your head, it gets really big. When you get it out on paper or say it to someone, the power just goes away. I've had that happen so many times at meetings. And just remember, you are not alone. Number eight, remember the traffic light metaphor. Many of us have green light foods that don't give us much trouble, yellow light foods that we're careful with, and red light foods that are downright dangerous. I apply the traffic lights to my moods and eating in general because I could binge on anything. When I'm spiritually fit and I feel good, I don't have a problem with the food. Green light. If I'm feeling a little mopey or sad, yellow light. I might want to do some journaling or call somebody 
before I eat so I don't overdo it. And if I'm way off the beam and highly emotional, this is the danger zone, red light, do not eat or I will binge. And if I have food around me and I think that I'm going to be in danger of binging, smash that up and flush it down the toilet. It's symbolic of killing the disease. Number nine, go to any lengths to stay food sober. I drove lots of miles to get food, tobacco, and alcohol. I can drive lots of miles to stay abstinent by going to a meeting or seeing my sponsor. When I had no car, I walked or I had a telephone meeting. Number 10, be patient. This is something you're doing over the long haul. When I joined OA, I got discouraged in the first three months because the weight wasn't falling off in a few days or weeks like my dieting days. My husband encouraged me at the time to lengthen my view from days and weeks to months and years. We all have seasons in life. Our bodies change with aging. Unexpected accidents, medications, surgeries, these all affect things. So just know you're not alone. God is always with you and in the rooms of this fellowship. Thank you. Thank you, Shayla. Um, I just want to remind everybody, if you could pass the basket around um, to write your questions on there. Um, after our third speaker, uh, we will be choosing some questions from the Ask It basket. So would love to hear your thoughts. Um, and now let's welcome Pam. Hi, everybody. I'm Pam, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Pam. I feel really tall. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to thank everybody who's had a, done something to help put this uh, convention on this weekend. So far, it's been a wonderful experience, and I know that there are a lot of people that have put in a lot of hours to make this thing happen. So I want to thank you guys very much. Um, all right, well... Um, I want to thank these ladies for sharing their experience. I, uh, I related to both of you guys quite a bit. Um, I think we're all a lot more alike than we are different, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, for me, uh, I've been a compulsive overeater. I always say out the chute. I came out the chute that way, you know. And then I was uh, into a family who very much... Uh, uh, was an addicted family. So I've been dealing with addictions and those things my entire life. Um, and I've been overweight since I was a little kid and I got teased about it quite a bit. And, you know, I actually had somebody say to me one time, Pam, that was a really long time ago. Can't you just forget about that? And I'm like, well, no, I can't. It makes me hungry. And, uh, <laughs> You know, and uh, that's kind of how I roll. I'm a compulsive overeater, so what that means to me is you take any circumstance in life, good or bad, you put me in it, my head rolls around through it and comes up with, I should eat this. You know, and that's kind of the way that I'm, I'm wired. I think about food, and I think about eating, and I think about looks, I think, in a different way than what normal people do. 
And um, I actually first came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1984 when I was in my 20s and I was in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, who wants to get abstinent in New Orleans, Louisiana? Certainly I did not, actually. And I had a sponsor, you know, and I, I had a plan, and I'd call her every day, and I'd say, oh, I was doing so good. I was doing so good. And then 2 o'clock came. And then what always happened at 2 o'clock is I got a little tired, and I need a little boost. Well, what's good for a boost? You know, a little sugar is good for a boost, you know. So every it was it was like Groundhog Day every day. I would call that lady, you know. And she listened to me. And she stayed abstinent because she was doing service. You know, and my, uh, my sponsor uh, tells me, she's like, Pam, you had a sponsor because sponsorship will keep you abstinent. Uh, and she even values it more than going to meetings. She, she's like, if you're working with somebody and you're in the book, reading the book, that will keep you abstinent. So practical ways to abstinence is what I'm supposed to be talking about. And... Um, I did things uh, gradually. Actually, um, I first got uh, abstinent in 1992. And in 1992, I had a food sponsor and a step sponsor. And I would call my food sponsor and I would commit my food. And I worked the steps with the step sponsor. And um, my weight came off. I, I lost weight. I got down to a reasonable body size and shape. And um, then I started dating which is what I always did. And then I got involved in a relationship and then I got married and then I started eating pie again is basically how it all went because like I always wanted to lose weight. So I would get a fella and then I thought I would be okay if I had the fella and I wasn't okay. So then I would go back to using food to deal with life on life's terms. And, uh, I didn't, I, uh, between 1995 and 2011, I come back to OA different times and have short periods of abstinence. And, um, but I still was like hanging on to food. And, and I got back in 92, my sponsor said, Pam, you know, you're not doing this, right? You know that you're not making yourself be abstinent, right? And I said yes, because I'm a people pleaser, and I think I'm supposed to know things even when I don't know them, and I don't want to ask questions, you know? And so I said yes, and I thought, well, I'll just figure this out, whatever she's talking about. Well, I didn't figure it out, but I understand today that food beats me up. Food, overweight, eating, thinking about dieting, thinking about exercising. I I mean, I've run marathons. I've, I've... taken diuretics i've taken x-lax i've done a whole bunch of diets out there i've done a bunch of things you know and i did all of those things because i hated my body i hated my body size and shape and i wanted to have this other body size and shape that a number one i'm never going to have never going to be a size zero if i'm a size zero i am not well you know i have got some shoulders on me i was not built to be a size zero so um anyway i did all these things and i hated and it wasn't loving it was self-hate every single time i i did those things i tell you i'd probably still be running marathons today but they only kept 15 pounds off of me if 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 they'd have kept 30 
I'd probably still be running them, you know. But in my mind, that wasn't even a pound a mile, you know what I'm saying? And that definitely was not worth what I was putting into it. So um, I am, a, you know, one of my ways of purging, consistent ways of purging is uh, through exercise. So I've done diets. I've done other methods of trying to control my body size and shape. I've done a lot of exercise. So all of those things have to be addressed when I'm talking about, you know, being abstinent. So um, what ended up happening for me is it took me about four years to get the abstinence that I have today. And I started out, uh, I just started out eating three meals a day and, and nothing in between. And then I did that for about six months. And um, then after that, uh, I let go of one food item that was giving me a, a, a problem. And I let go of it, but I didn't, I didn't let go of it because I wanted to lose weight. I let go of it because um, it was causing me problems. My doctor told me, you know, if you don't do something about this, you might have some real long-term problems in the next 10 to 15 years. He very rudely told me I wasn't getting any younger and that uh, (laughs) I needed to start really looking at these things. And um, I told you guys at the beginning that I come from a family of compulsive overeaters and addiction. And I have family members who have real significant problems due to the their overweightness and so it's not like I you know the disease lies tries to lie to me it says oh it's just food it's not that bad it's not like you're doing this 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 and this it's just eating everybody does it everybody eats this way you know and that rationalization that that minimization and and think, I'm not grateful that for the problems that my family has, but because of the f- problems that they have, it makes it really real to me that this disease is serious. And that bite does matter, and it does matter what I have to eat, you know? And um, when I first came to program in 1992, you know, uh, I had there was a lady in my life that told me that abstinence was about no random eating, and a surrender to moderation. And that's what I have to outline to be abstinent. So for me, when I first got abstinent, when I first started working with a sponsor, now when I said I started doing those things where three meals a day and then I let go of a food item, that was almost pre-abstinent. Like I was was trying to get abstinent, but I wasn't completely in the program. I was trying to do it on my own. I had these ideas from being in OA before. So I was, I was trying to do all this stuff. I was trying to do it with a nutritionalist. I was trying, you know, I was trying to do, and I really, Really, I wanted to do it without having to come to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous is what I really wanted to do. Uh, I thought, you know, this disease is the lamest of all lame disease. I'm like, of all things that I don't want to be, it's a compulsive overeater. You know, we're just not sexy. You know, we're not cool. It's not cool to be a compulsive overeater. And I knew I was going to have to deal with some stuff I did not want to deal with when I came here. And that was the thing. But it, 
it, my vanity kind of saved my life in a way. I did not want to be overweight. I, I didn't want to be it. And I come to the rooms. I read the literature. And the literature says the only desire for membership is a desire to not compulsively overeat. I'm like, I don't want to not compulsively overeat. I want to eat whatever I want. But I just don't want it to show up on my body size and shape. That's what I really want. You know, that's what I want. But I couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to do that. So I had to come back to Overeaters Anonymous and I needed the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous to be able to do these things consistently. And then I got a sponsor. And for me, like once I started talking, I think it's very, my experience is, is that it's very important for me to talk about food. I have to talk about food, not text food, not do this other stuff with food. Talk about food. And uh, so I would talk to my, I would call my sponsor every day and tell her what I was eating. I'm eating this. And I knew that my food plan was a little bit different than my sponsor's food plan. And I was calling in a certain food item. One day I remember, I, I remember, I talk about this all the time. It was significant to me. And I said, I'm really kind of ashamed that I'm eating this food item, you know, and I know you don't eat this food item. And I'm glad that I said that because it got this stuff out that I was because if I don't talk about it I will act out on it for sure I will act out on it so I told my sponsor I said you know, I said that I said I'm a little embarrassed I'm I'm, I'm having this but um and she was like, well, you know, it's on your food plan. It's fine for you to eat it. But, you know, there's real no, really no nutritional value in that food. And it's got a lot of fat in it. So as long as you continue to eat it, you'll have a larger body size and shape than what you want. <laughs> oh, well, that makes it really appetizing, you know. So anyway, that's what she told me. Uh, but I continued on with that food plan. And then what actually happened for me is is uh, my brother went through a lot of health, a lot of problems due to complications with him. He's, he's very, he's obese. He went through a lot of complications. And then at, he finally got better, and they were sending him home from the hospital. And um, I'm talking six weeks of surgeries, you guys, between, between Thanksgiving and January 14th, one year, my my brother went into the hospital once a week, every week, had a surgery, sent him home, came back, and then finally, on January 14th, they sent him home, and they knew what his problem was, and they knew what had been causing it, and that was like on a Saturday. On Monday, after I left, I was back in Evansville, Indiana. On Monday, after I left, after I left the um, after I left an OA meeting, my sister called me, and she wanted me to go get my brother some food that he likes and it wasn't good for him and I'm like I'm like I I tr I did not want to tell her no because I knew she was going to get mad at me because whenever I came home we always did all of this eating stuff we always bonded over eating and then we always uh and I always paid and I'm like I'm not getting him that food I I said I'm not going all the way across town to get that for him that was my first excuse. She goes, oh, well, you can go over here to this place. Do you know where that place is? No, I'm not going there. I don't know where that place is. Well, how about this place? Go there. No, and I finally had to tell her, you know, with all the love in my heart, I am not 
going to go get that food for him. And what I saw in that moment is that what he was in love with was going to kill him. It was going to kill him. And then I had to ask myself about why am I eating these certain foods? Why am I eating these foods that don't have any nutritional value, but they, uh, they add weight to me? Why am I doing that? And it, it, that was like that interaction with my sponsor was at like six months before what happened with my brother. And uh, I, I let go of a whole bunch of foods, not because I wanted to change my number on the scale, not that's not if I try to change my eating plan so I get to a number on a scale I am dieting and that never works it makes me eat more there's a very different process that happens when I when I'm like talking to God and going why am I eating this food why do I want this and then I ask God to remove it from me see that's what abstinence is about absence is about God please remove from me these things that I no longer need that's what it's about and because um, I can't do it. I cannot do it. Now, I can white knuckle it for a while. I can uh, be busy in OA for a while. But when the caca hits the fan, you know, either I'm surrendered over food and food is either the problem or it's not, you know. And if it's the problem, then I got to have some kind of higher power. And I know in OA we're, we're funny about higher powers. But I got to have a power greater than myself that removes this stuff from me. Because I honestly, of myself, I cannot do it. I am 100% convinced of that. And then what I do in OA is, is I have a plan of eating that I stick with and I do it 100% no matter what. It works every single day. I don't, there, it's not that complicated. It's very clear. And if for some reason, um, well, I, I did want to say that like there was a time like between a year and three years of abstinence or between a year and two and a half years of abstinence, I did not change my plan at all for any reason people would say oh would you like a little bite of this at lunch i go no i don't want a little bite of this at lunch i did not eat randomly so um uh at all now i'm not that way now i'm a little bit more flexible today but i did a period of time of that because i wanted to make sure that i what I got the no random eating thing. Um, okay, so I know I've been kind of all over the place, and I'm sorry about that. But um, the whole, the higher power has to do for me what I can't do for myself is really, really my my experience. And one of the other things, I remember one time I, I bought this stuff, and they sell it at the health food stores, right? So it's healthy, right? And... Um, so the next thing I know, I want to have this stuff at every meal. I, I, so it, t- it was like three days or something like that. And I realized, oh, my God, I'm wanting to have this with every meal. And I thought, this is not good. This is not good. And so I called my sponsor and I said, hey, I want to eat this at every meal. And she goes, take it off your food plan. She didn't say it quite like that, but that's kind of how I heard it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, ooh. I said, all right, well, I'm willing to not eat it for a week. I'm willing to not eat it for a week and then kind of write about it and see what's going on. So in about 
five, at about the fifth day, I realized I'm not thinking about that food anymore. I, and I didn't want it, you know. So to me, that is a that is a food that I do not need to have. And it's not about it's not about uh, me. It's about oh, look, God, this is not a good idea for me. Please remove this desire for this food for me. And um, I'll say another thing too is is I had been abstinent in 1992, and I um, I let go of that abstinence. Other things in my life became more important. I went to school. I got married. All of these, life became more important, and I stopped doing service in Overeaters Anonymous, and then I lost my abstinence. I felt really guilty about that because I real, at some point I realized what a gift God had given me, that he had given me this gift of abstinence, and I had, I had taken it for granted, and I hadn't appreciated it, and I felt really, really bad about that. I felt like, how can I ask God to give me And I'm sorry, if the word God bothers you, please change the word in your own mind to whatever works for you. I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody when I say this. I'm just sharing what, you know, what happened to me. And I said, God, I'm so sorry that I took that gift for granted. I don't even feel like I can ask you to give me that gift back. But here's the deal about higher powers and God is they're not like people. They're... They don't go, you didn't do that the right way, so now I'm not going to do it for you. You know, that is not the way that HP is. He always loves me, always wants what's best for me. And if I ask, if I ask, if I'm willing to ask, he, it, that higher power will definitely give me gifts that I do not deserve. And um, that's what happened for me. And I would read the big book. I would read that part out of step 10 where it says, the problem has been removed. And I prayed for that. I prayed, dear God, please remove this problem for me. At first, I didn't really mean it. And God knew that. I'm like, God, God, I know this is a problem. And I know I shouldn't want to do this. But I still do want to do this. But what I really want you to do is remove this problem for me. And I'll I'll wrap it up. And um, that was good enough to start, you know, until until I really did want the problem removed. And then I was like, there's no way. There's no way that I can go through a day and not really think about food, eating, dieting, this and that, and what I should have eaten and what I shouldn't eat. I really, I was like, there's no way that that can happen. But I'm here to tell you there is a way. It does happen. And I just got to stay active in OA and and keep asking God to do for me what I can't do for myself and use the tools, use a sponsor, have some commitments, try to help somebody else. That's it. Thanks. Thank you, Pam. And thank you to all of our speakers and sharing your experience, strength and hope. That was great. Um, we, I will now draw some questions from the Ask It Basket um, for 10 minutes. So if our timer If you could set it for 10 minutes. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, first speaker's bullet points are what? Please review those. Can, if you could go briefly through your um, bullet points again. Was that Peppy or Shayla you were asking about? Oh, Shayla. Okay, great. 
Uh, it's blue. First speaker's bullet points are what? Please review your bullet points. Sheila. I don't know if I had bullet points, but how I would start out with my abstinence is what can I do? Is How do I review? How do I manifest my compulsive eating? What does it look like every day? What's an average day? And what causes me, what causes me, okay, that'd be one, to overeat. I'll tell you, it's really easy, stress. It's always stress. It's always thinking, it's the shoulds. Life should have done this. Life should have done that. And that takes us back to the steps. The only way to deal with that is through the steps. Number two is how, what actions. That's the important thing. What actions do I manifest to manifest the disease? So for me, it was going out to restaurants by myself. And I wanted to tell everyone that does not mean that I don't go to restaurants socially. I do. And I manage my food plan so that it fits when I'm going. And so that is the big bullet point, is that how does my disease manifest itself? So number three, what can I give up? What can I do? What can I be abstinent from? Even if it's the smallest thing, so that I can begin to do the steps because step one is I am powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable. That's step one. So I have to recognize how powerless I am. So I can make all kinds of rules. I can make all kinds of, I need to do this, this, and this, because I did all of that, to control my eating, and none of it worked. Because I am a compulsive eater, I am a food addict, I am a restrictor. So all the tricks didn't work for me. And the only thing that has worked for me has been a power greater than myself. And I'll throw in, when I say self, I always look for wherever self is, like self-seeking, self-pity. That's this working. That's, that's only the mind thinking it knows what, it knows something. And usually it doesn't. So if this is saying how it should be, any shoulds, I shouldn't eat that. Well, yeah, that sounds good. The, I don't have the power to override that. So what I have to do is get to a power that can override that. So I need to kind of come in and open the door by creating some kind of an abstinence that allows me to get in that door to start doing those steps. Do you want to stay up there? There's two more questions for you specifically. Sure. Um, this is... Uh, uh, oh, the seven-step prayer, um, actually, I got... It's in the big book, but it's kind of discreet where it is. It is not the seven-step prayer. Uh, if you slowly want to, um, it is God. Somebody help me. Um, I am. No, no, that's the seven-step pray, prayer. This is not the seven-step prayer. It's, it's the, the set-aside prayer is, um, God, please help me to set aside everything I, everything I think I know. 
for a thank you to have an open mind and a new experience and then you can add in whatever it is that you're looking at so I'm dealing with um, make it I'm dealing with drinking diet soda and so I can start out with God please help me set aside everything I think I know to have an open mind and a new experience regarding diet drinks. And then I can journal about that. But that's because we come into life with, okay, I come into life, I shouldn't drink diet drinks. And then I go and order one. I go and buy the bottle. And I know it's got all kinds of sodium in it. It's all kinds of junk that really I feel like, excuse my language, like crap when I'm drinking it. I do not feel good. But I'm compulsively drinking it. Well, do I have the power to say I'm, I'm not going to drink it? No. So I need to get that power somewhere else. That's where I use all of these, those three prayers, the set-aside prayer, the third-step prayer, and then the acceptance. Because I have to accept that I am compulsively drinking that. The should does no good whatsoever. Until I go into acceptance, well, guess what I'm doing? I'm drinking it. Guess what? I don't feel good. Okay, I can accept that. Now I can ask for help from a power greater than myself. And there was a third one you said. Oh, what is a restrictor? Oh, this is good. Some of the things that I did restricting was um, the first thing I ever did was I ate 97 calories a day. And I did that for many, many months. And I was an obese child, and I lost that weight that way. That was one form of restricting. So that kind of stuck with me. It was successful. So I would go into eating 400 calories a day. Or I, I did all kinds of things. One of the restricting was that I couldn't eat until 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I had to stop eating at 3. And I did that for many years. Um, that's restricting. And there are times when I was close to anorexic, and, but didn't look that way to me. And then there were times when I was very overweight. I will tell you, I managed my weight for many, many years. And then in 1987, I had breast cancer. And I had been doing martial arts for three years at that time. And I was probably in the healthiest condition of my entire life. And everything broke. It was like the dam broke. I felt betrayed. I was doing it all right. And I felt betrayed. And I couldn't stop eating. It was like there was a hole in me. And I couldn't stop eating. And I gained weight. And I will tell you, I think it was one of the biggest blessings of my life. Because I will tell you, at, the, at that time, if I were to list the things that happened to me, we discovered my son had a life-threatening heart disease, which I'm still dealing with, we're still dealing with to this day. Um, I made some very bad business decisions and lost an enormous amount of money. My ex-husband decided to sue me for $60 a month. Um, 
and, and got into a whole thing, and it went on and on and on. And I like to tell people that what happened to me was the phoenix had to die and go to ashes and then arise from the ashes because I would not have found the higher power that I have today. I would not be the person I am today. I would not have. Here's my banner. Peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. That's my banner. That's what I look for all the time. Peace, serenity. It's all in the big book. Peace, serenity, calmness, and ease. That's what I want in life. And I wouldn't have any of that if I didn't have this program. None of it. The 12th step says in all of our affairs. Wow, I just really got on my damn, my big book something. So, <laughs> thanks. Um, for any of the ladies, any words for a new OA member? Hi, Shayla, compulsive overeater. Uh, new words for the OA member. As I shared in my, uh, I was getting a little teary-eyed because I did not think I belonged, you know, and that disease will tell you. And just to, I respect the traditions and what have you, but to uh, give a little testimony of my drinking, I sat in open meetings for two stinking years because I, I think I've heard with diet soda, I can totally relate to that because the fluid, that can be your food. And so alcohol was kind of my food. And I sat in open meetings for two years and I could not do it. It's the same as abstinence. And they kept telling me, don't leave before the miracle happens. I would go home at night, drink, go back to a meeting, you know, go home, sob, just a wreck for two years. And finally, God intervened. And, and it's the exact same thing with food. It was a little gentler with me with the food. I didn't have to you know, go to that bottom uh, that I did, but very similar. So don't leave before the miracle happens. Um, how do we stop hating our bodies? Pam, compulsive overeater. Here's what I did for a long time is I wrote, Dear God, uh, please fill me with self-love self, and self-acceptance. Uh, please take away my insecurities and my need to compete. And um, the rest of it actually came out of step four out of that AA 12 and 12. But uh, please make me a, a worker among workers, a, peop- uh, um, a family member among family members. What's the other one? Friend among friends. And so um, I really believe that asking God for self-love and self-acceptance had a huge thing to do with me stopping. Because I started loving myself. Um, And, um, you know, I have to listen to what's going on on the inside. Like, okay, I'll tell you guys. When I turned 45, I bought this little dress. I mean, it was little. And I was a little bit bigger than I am now. And it was short. And it had some cleavage. And, like, as a 45-year-old woman, I went, exactly where am I going to wear this dress to? You know? And I asked some of my friends about it. And they said, oh, well, just put on a little camisole and put on some leggings. And I'm like, 
But if I do that, then nobody's going to be able to see how good my legs look in this dress because my legs look good, right? And um, <clears throat> and so I was like very convoluted about. I'm a 45 year old woman. This dress is like for somebody much younger than I am, and it, maybe a little bit thinner than than me, right? So why do I want to wear it? And finally I went, all right, who inside here needs to wear the dress? Who needs to wear the dress? Because one of the ideas that I got from being in program is that I have an inner family of younger selves. And I need to pay attention to them. And so it was my 14-year-old. She needed to wear the dress. And my 14-year-old had these big glasses she wore boys' Levi's. She didn't know how to put on makeup, and all she wore was T-shirts. And she really wanted to be pretty. She really wanted that kind of attention from people. And I just told her, I said, look, honey. And she was overweight. She weighed about 177 pounds. And I told my inner self, I said, I don't care if you never lose a pound. I love you exactly the way that you are. You're exactly fine. And I really believe that that came from me writing those God letters. Dear God, please fill me with self-love and self-acceptance. And you can add stuff to that to ask God about that. That's it. And surrender to moderation. Oh, you guys don't know what it says. (laughs) Pam, finish your quote on abstinence. No random eating and a surrender to moderation. That's, that's that. Huh? Yes. Um, And this is uh, for Shayla. What was bullet number six? Bullet point number six. Bullet number six in the first part was take the steps. And bullet number six in the second part was pay attention to your feelings and take action. If I feel depressed and want to undereat or binge, I call my sponsor, go to a meeting, journal, or pray. Thank you. Um, We will now uh, have three-minute shares um, from anybody in the audience. Please keep it on topic and stop sharing at the end of three minutes. And when you come up here, we'll just have you sign your name to the sheet. Who wants to recover? Come on up. Hi, I'm Wendy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Wendy. And I wanted to thank the three of you. That was just a really wonderful panel. I appreciate it. Um, I've been in this wonderful program for 21 years, and um, my abstinence, my food plans have changed over time. And I wish I could say, yes, I have 
21 years of perfect abstinence, but the only thing that I've done perfectly in this program is I've never left. So when I'm working with people, um, when I'm sponsoring or when people are new, um, I just encourage them, you know, what is biting your butt the, the hardest? You know, just start simple. If you really, you know, cannot stop with candy bars, for example, maybe that's one thing that is an alcoholic food for you and you need to put that down. Um, I've heard, I'm from the San Fernando Valley area, and I heard a speaker once say, um, find an abstinence that you need your higher power for. And that kind of scared me, you know. That was a bit, yeah, I mean, because that, that's the deal. You know, I can go to seven to ten meetings a week if I choose, but if I'm not actually working the steps and seeking a higher power or God's help on a daily basis, it's really difficult. And I really liked what I heard here about um, you know, just having, learning to have that balance and remembering that, you know, it's not up to me. You know, I can will it. Every time I've made a change in a food plan or an abstinence, it was that quiet, gentle, persistence God thing saying, you know, maybe not. Or may, just maybe not for today. Even, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, we're here in San Diego. There's a gorgeous, huge mall across the street. I totally wanted to go there. But the quiet voice said you know what, honey, go to Trader Joe's, get your salads, that way you'll be taken care of, put them in your fridge, and it's taken care of. And this morning when I said my prayers, you know, usually I've been saying to God, especially lately, please help me with my food choices and amounts, and then I laughed. I said, oh, wow, it's, it's already decided. You know, I bought into the dinner. I have my salad waiting for me. So it's simple. You know, this program is simple. And, you know, what, what's also come to mind for me is that um, – it's the one day at a time thing. When I was taking my morning walk and I started thinking, oh my gosh, when I'm doing this, blah, 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 on Monday, and I stopped and I said out loud, you know, there's no one around. I said, let's just be in today. What are we doing today? Where are we now? Um, and just learning to have that self-love. You know, I was fixing up my hair today and, you know, I'm looking in the mirror and, you know, there's not clothes on. And I just, you know, I didn't say it out loud, but just, I love you. You are okay as you are. You might not be at your low weight in the program, but you're beautiful. You are a good person. You're one of God's kids just for today. So... That's part of my abstinence for today. Thank you. Who else would like to come up and speak? If nobody else um, would like to share, we can go ahead and close this session. Any last burning desires? Anybody who wants to speak from their seat? Okay. Uh, let's thank our speakers. Oh. Thanks, Virgil. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you to our speakers and everyone who shared um, and all who have done service for this session. Let's uh, stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise that I put my hand in yours.